0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, we're going to talk about sleep. I know. I just did a webinar for a group of accountants, and it was about the 12 essentials of sleep. And at the end of the webinar, people asked a bunch of questions, which I wasn't able to get to. And so this is the opportunity to respond to those questions and I thought that you know as I'm responding to these these are questions that I'm I believe that everybody has that you have that you know I've had before I started doing my research and experiencing a few sleep issues myself for those of you who don't know I've struggled with snoring you know and also sleep apnea which is where you stop breathing in your sleep. And, you know, when you have sleep issues, that leads to weight issues, mood swings, uh, physical chronic pain and aches. It really can impact our ability to show up to work, be present in our relationships, and also to feel like life is worth living, you know, a lot of people who go to war um, and come back, those nightmares, the the night tremors, the night terrors, the the uh, the restlessness, the sleepwalking, the inability to either fall asleep or struggling to stay asleep. You know, there's just so many different sleep issues. So uh, I'm gonna answer the questions that were asked from the webinar, and then. If you, the listener, if you have other questions, you can always email me at leoflowers2000 at gmail. And uh, let's get into it. The first question I have is, is there any advice for a snooze button addict? Oh, yeah. I was this person. I was definitely this person before I, you know, took care of my sleep apnea and got the mouth guard. And there's still mornings. I mean, the truth is, most of us are never going to get to a place where we wake up every morning bright eyed and bushy tailed ready to <laughs> ready to make things happen so uh but I think that for the most part, we can do things to reduce those mornings that have us reaching for the snooze alarm, feeling sluggish and dreading the day so If you are a snooze alarm addict, one of the things we can do is, and one of the things that I've done is I bought uh, one of those sunrise alarm clocks. A sunrise alarm clock is basically an alarm clock that if you set your alarm on it for 6 a.m. from about, I think, 5.45 a.m. or 5.50 a.m., it'll slowly brighten the room. and then by six a.m. the room is fully illuminated, and it's a beautiful, gentle way of waking up. And also, the alarm isn't like this, eh, 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 or do, 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 you know, it's like birds chirping or uh, ocean waves. It's something soothing that gives you a sense that it is morning. And I say give you a sense that it is morning because, you know, a lot of us, if we live in urban areas or depending on where we live, you know, the morning sounds could be zero, like there's no sound to alert us as to the time of day, or it could be the sound of traffic. And neither one of those are, you know, the sound of traffic is not really soothing, let's be honest. And the sound of nothing doesn't really excite us to get out of bed. But what is, or what can be exciting or at least appetizing or seductive, the sound of birds singing, the sound of uh, the ocean, right? These are soothing, natural sounds. It's a beautiful way for us to ease into the day. Um, so you have the sunrise alarm clock, and you can get those off Amazon or anywhere. Anywhere from like 10. To you know of course there's high end anything, but uh, but you can find one for on average about twenty dollars. So the sunrise alarm clock is something I recommend. two you know and you've heard I'm sure you heard this before, put your alarm clock on the other side of the room. Don't keep it close to your bed. Set it up so that you have to get out of bed to shut it off. Um, three, make sure that the way you're starting your day you're easing into your day. I think if we are the type of person that wakes up, gets up, and goes straight to work, then yeah, I'm going to hit that snooze alarm 10 times. I'm not looking forward to that. Starting my day, going to work, versus if I say, okay, I'm going to wake up, make some coffee, grab the newspaper, sit on the patio, or like what I do in the morning, I get up, put my clothes on, and then I do a perimeter check. Like, I walk around the house, and I'll, we have leaves. We have two trees in our backyard, an avocado and an apple tree. And every morning, you know, every day, like, leaves, dead leaves are falling from these trees. So I'll go out there, and I'll pick up the leaves in the morning. It's a gentle way of getting me up, out of bed, into sunlight, feeling the breeze, checking in with myself, checking in with the house, my environment, my neighbors. I mean, I see a neighbor or two walking by. I get to wave and say hi. And then, you know, picking leaves up out of the backyard. That's a gentle way of moving my body. I'm not asking my body to do a hit workout or <laughs> some kickboxing class at 6 a.m., right? It's a gentle way to move my body. And then I find after that, I'm ready to do a workout. So we talked about the sunrise alarm clock, putting the phone out of reach, um, you know, easing your way into the day with some outdoor physical activity, even if you don't want to move. But if you have a patio, just stepping out onto the patio, for a few minutes, you know, a little prayer and meditation in the morning instead of feeling like we have to, you know, wake up, get up, and get going. Like, how how are you easing into your day? And then the, the you know, the last thing I want to say is maybe we need to go to bed earlier. You know, I, a lot of times it, it's not that we are a snooze alarm addict. I mean, nobody, the the, the hitting the snooze alarm is the symptom of a sleep issue, meaning that either we're not going to bed on time or we're not getting quality sleep or there's something interfering with our sleep. Maybe it's the mattress or the temperature. There's, there's the quality of our sleep is compromised in some way, which is why we're hitting the alarm. We're not hitting the alarm because we want to. We're hitting the alarm because... Our sleep is compromised. Um, Now, before I go on with the next few questions and respond to those, I just want to say that this is, you know, I got a sleep test. If you have not gotten a sleep, if you're having sleep issues, and I'm talking chronic, like months and years, then a sleep test is something you want to look at to see are you snoring, are you st- are you not breathing in your sleep? Are you tossing and turning? To kind of get a sense of specifically what the sleep issue is, and then um, then you can build after that. Then you can figure out how to address those things. But you know, if you move the alarm clock and you know get up and go outside, but you you're but you have poor sleep quality, none of that's going to matter because you're just going to be struggling. Every morning, anyway. Uh, second question is: Any thoughts about sleep apps? So I was talking about sleep apnea, and this is sleep apps. So I'm I'm big on sleep apps. I used to use a sleep app, but here's the word of caution. And if you don't know, a sleep app basically will monitor your sleep, let you know how long you, what time you went to bed, what time you woke up. Um, what are your? Uh, are you in REM cycle or not? Like how long your REM cycles are? Are you, it'll record you snoring, if you're talking in your sleep. Some of you may not. <laughs> Some of you may not like that. Not at all. Um, but the sleep app is great because it allows you to notice trends, and that's the key word there. Don't use a sleep app every, don't look at your sleep app reading every day for the rest of your life. It's going to drive you nuts because it's, you you could wake up feeling great, but the sleep app could be like, well, you only got an 85% or, you know, like a a 58% or something. And you're like, what? And so you could wake up feeling great and then feel like crap because the sleep app is telling you that you didn't get quality sleep, but you're like, I feel awesome. Right? So the sleep app is great to track your sleep patterns for, like, three weeks to see what's going on, you know, to kind of get a sense of is it falling asleep? Are you waking up? Are you talking in your sleep? Are you tossing and turning? The sleep app can tell you all those things. And it can even tell you, like, if you're recovered enough for your workout the following day. So once you have, like, three weeks of, of data, then... That's what you, you know, instead of just keep tracking it, we don't just want to keep like it's there's no use in tracking our sleep if we're not measuring it against something. So what I mean is, um, you know, some people look at their phone right, you know, right as before they go to bed. So to track your sleep for three weeks, you know, here's what I would recommend. Track your sleep for three weeks without changing anything. Just keep doing things as you regularly do it. That's the first step. Second step is then change a behavior and then see how that affects your sleep for the next three weeks. So, for instance, if you're a person who likes to be on their phone right before sleep, uh, try reading a book before sleep, right? Replace that screen time with reading time and see how that affects your sleep because the clients that I've worked with, that I've coached, they find an enormous difference. They find that their, their deep REM cycles actually increase when they decide to read a book versus being on their phone. And the reason for that is, I'm really going to go off on a tangent here. The reason for that is, is when we look at our phones right before bed, looking at our phones, it inhibits our ability to look into the future. to to visualize our next 10 steps, to think about life five or 10 years from now. And so with that, it also inhibits our ability to dream. So if it's inhibiting our ability to dream, then it's also inhibiting our ability to get into a deep rim, right? So when we are reading, though, the reading allows us to visualize ourselves in the character's role in the future it our eyes are moving side to side is actually quite soothing for our body so to see you know so going back to the sleep app change a behavior and then track it for three weeks you know and if you see improvement there then you know see if you can stack another behavioral change like okay, you know, uh, I'm, now I'm, I'm reading an hour before bed instead of scrolling for an hour before bed. And then you can add, what if I go for a walk and then read and then go to bed, right? Um, like just creating these different habits to see if you can improve on your sleep score and how you feel in the morning. So, was, you know, the score is one thing, but really paying more attention to Are you dreaming at night and are you waking up feeling restored and ready to go? So that's what I'll say about the sleep apps. Use it intermittently, but use it to track against another uh, metric so that you can know how your behavior, so that you can link your behavior to the results of your sleep score and how you wake up in the morning. Third thing, uh, third question that I received, can I provide a brand or a jaw device that I used instead of the CPAP? So there's not a brand. So I use a mouth guard. And the mouth guards uh, for sleep apnea, they basically look like a mouthpiece that you would use for, or like dentures um, or, or Invisalign, right? And I think Invisalign is a better uh, analogy. And, and basically it pushes my bottom jaw forward. In order to get one of these, you, you first have to get a sleep test, which it can only be prescribed by your doctor. And then your dentist would be the one, if they decide that you do have sleep apnea, your dentist would be the one to create the mold for your jaw. Now, with that said, some people find success with the CPAP That works. Some people find it with the mouth jaw. And then there's another device, a tongue device that a friend introduced me to. I don't remember the name of it. I apologize. But if you talk to your dentist or your doctor, but your dentist for sure, they will be able to provide the different sleep apnea devices that are uh, available to you. So first, talk to your doctor. Your doctor has to prescribe the sleep apnea test. And then uh, if they decide you do have sleep apnea, then talk to, then you'll be uh, referred to your dentist who will actually make the device for you. Now, not all dentists do this. So you may have to... And then there are snore doctors. You know, uh, once you have the prescription from your medical doctor, then the snore doctor could also be the one to make the device for you. So once again, there's not a specific name for it. They're just companies that make it, but you have to go through uh, a medical doctor okay, or dentist. Uh, fourth question, do you have suggestions for someone who has trouble staying asleep? I do. Yes, I have three suggestions. Typically, so basically people have trouble staying asleep, they can fall asleep, but then they wake up in the middle of the night and they can't go back to sleep or they're in and out through the night. There's typically three reasons for this. One is uh, we wake up because we are physically uncomfortable. And this could be due to a lack of exercise throughout the day, uh, you know, mobi- just being activity. I don't want to say exercise. A lack of activity through the day, so our muscles and body feel quite stiff. And then uh, you know, our bed might be too soft or too firm. And then you know, we might be laying on our side instead of our back. So one of the things that wakes us up is physical pain or discomfort. And like I said, it can be linked to a lack of activity throughout the day We're sitting too much or uh, a a mattress that's too soft or too hard. Or it could be the temperature of the room. But there's something physical uh, waking us up. But sticking to the body part, so if that's what's waking you up, then you want to get up and you want to go into another room. Don't do this in your room. The bedroom is just for sleep and sex. Go into another room and stretch. Stretch for about 20 minutes. Whether it's a child's pose, there are a bunch of YouTube videos that you can watch for uh, nighttime stretching. And the difference between morning stretching and nighttime stretching is that in the morning when we're stretching our body, it involves reps. So you might do like, 10 reps of a certain exercise in the morning, where in the evening, bedtime stretching involves holds. So you may hold a stretch for about 30 seconds. So you go from reps uh, in the morning to doing holds in the evening. Okay. So, you know, go on YouTube. uh, Even if you're just laying in child's pose or happy baby, there are a bunch of Uh, yoga videos that can teach you how to do those uh, stretches that'll be soothing for your body. And just spend about 20 minutes doing this. And hopefully you don't have to turn on a lot of lights. You can light a candle or get a salt lamp at night. So you're not cutting on bright lights. Get a salt lamp and then that will help you. And then get right back into bed. Um, The worst thing you can do is just lay in bed when um, you wake up in the middle of the night hoping to fall back asleep. Get up, get out, and stretch. The other reason why you might be waking up uh, in the middle of the night and, and can't stay asleep is um, you, you have ruminating thoughts, right? You wake up, and all of a sudden you're worried about this and that. You are regretting the, the past. You are anxious about the future. Um, you're upset about what's going on right now, right? Right? Um, so what we want to do in that case, we want to get up and we want to journal. That's right. So journaling is a, is a, becomes a depository for our, those ruminating thoughts. And we just want to dump it all out on a page. Just freestyle write. You could write whatever. Do that for about 20 minutes and then go right back to bed. And once again, use a salt lamp or a soft light. Or even a red light. I have red lights um, that I plug in for those late night moments so that I'm not, um, you know, it's not too heavy on my eyes. It's not completely waking me up. But getting up 20 minutes, do it on paper. Don't do it on your phone or uh, your laptop because those lights will keep you alert and awake and it'll throw off your circadian rhythm. So pull out some paper and pen and start writing. And what's cool is they even have these pens that light up in the dark. So, um, and I have one of those pens, uh, and I, I bought them for the plane actually, because sometimes I'll be on a red eye and I want to read or write, and I and I just feel like it's a bit intrusive for me to cut on that bright light because it illuminates like you, but also three or four other people. Um, so I bought these pens that actually have a light on them, so I can see what I'm writing. And, you know, that can be an option for you. And then the third reason why we might be waking up is um, the, uh, the, what we ate before bed. So if we eat too close to bed, right, it takes about, especially sugary, uh, salty, fatty foods, if we eat that right before bed, it usually takes about five hours our pancreas to, to digest that. And what we get then is an insulin spike. The insulin spike that happens about five hours later is what can wake us up. It creates a feeling of alertness in our body. And so if you're eating close to bedtime, then that could be waking you up in the middle of the night. And especially the more sugary it is and uh, um, the more processed it is, the more it can prevent us from falling into a deep sleep and staying there, okay? So is it something that you ate? Is it it a physical ache? Or or is it ruminating thoughts? Um, Any of those, we can journal, we can stretch, and we could even, you know, stand outside. You know, you can go outside for 20 minutes and get some fresh air, and then come back in. If you just feel hot or what have you, um, going outside, getting fresh air, 20 minutes is the max that you want to be up and out of bed. And I know you're like, man, that sounds like a long time. Will I be able to fall back asleep after that? Trust me, you will, and and you won't regret it. And also, um, it, it's not addictive, right? So like, uh, typically what we would do is wake up in the middle of the night and then pull out our phones and start scrolling. That's addictive. It's rewarding. And so now our body's looking forward to waking up in the middle of the night, right? Instead of feeling relaxed and soothed. So I hope those three things really help you out. You either need to journal, you need to stretch, or um, you, know, you can um, step outside and get some fresh air, breathe that in, and kind of reset your system and go right back to bed. All right. Uh, the fourth question is how do I take a nap if I'm not sleepy? Wow. That's a really great question too. Um, how do I take a nap if I'm not sleepy? Napping is not about sleeping. Napping is about doing nothing. It's about allowing our bodies to rest, recover, recuperate. That's all it's about. It's not about falling asleep. It, um, if we put up pressure on ourselves to fall asleep every time we lay down a nap, then we're not going to nap. right Now it just becomes another thing that we have to do. It's really about allowing ourselves an opportunity to one, do nothing. two, check in with ourselves. Three, let our cortisol levels lower, right? Instead of letting things build up, now we give it a chance to lower. And four, it gives us a chance to to, to recover so that we can get back in the game and to work and be present uh, in our personal life and in our professional life. So whether you, you nap for eight minutes or an hour, however long you want to nap for, it's not about falling asleep. Yesterday, I took a nap and I didn't fall asleep. I, I just, I laid there. And then um, when I felt like I was I was ready to get up and felt recovered, I got up. The Navy SEALs lay there for about eight minutes. You know, you're not going to fall into a deep sleep with eight minutes. So once again, it's about, it's not about napping. It's about like a, a quick, um, rec- it's a recovery method. It's a, it's a way to reset ourselves and also to check in. With ourselves to make sure we're not getting too excited, too ahead of ourselves, um, and and uh, and and just just really holding space for ourselves, right? Um, and then, how do you shut off worry that prevents sleep? Once again, this goes back. So, if you have trouble falling asleep and you and you worry before sleep, this is you know typically because we're on our phone too close to bed, one and two. Um, go for a walk, do, do, do two things, you know, or do three things, one is make sure you're not on your phone an hour, at least an hour before bed, two, if you can get outside and go for a walk after dinner, right, just a, a quick walk around a block, um, but, or do some type of exercise or stretching, or if you're in a relationship to massage each other, before going to bed instead of you know, Netflixing and chilling, um, those things can do a lot to help us kind of check in with ourselves. Because you have to understand what worrying before bed is. The worry, there's two parts of ourselves. There's our adult self, right? Our adult self wakes up and is like, we gotta get stuff going, we got bills to pay, we have responsibilities and then our childhood self is like hey but i have needs and but the adult self is like we can't we can't think about our needs right now we have to we have to be responsible and so when we've ignored a part of ourselves for most of the day because we were being responsible and we're tending to everybody else that part of ourselves then starts to emerge right before bed it's like hey you're not going to go to bed without talking to me right so by journaling, by going for a walk. And when I say going for a walk, I'm not talking about scrolling and strolling. I'm talking about without looking at our phones, without listening to a podcast. I'm talking about unplugged, being present in the space type of walk, right? That gives that part of ourselves that we've kind of been ignoring or suppressing, pushing off to the side, a chance to have a voice, before we get into that, it's a way to talk to yourself. You know, when we talk about talking to ourselves, it's not necessarily this out loud thing. It's, it's really, uh, it can be an internal thing, but we have to create space for that conversation with ourselves, right? Um, and, and so if you, don't, if you don't have that space to go for a walk or to stretch, then what we can do is to journal, to just write down are what I call our roses and thorns. So what are our thorns from the day? What are the things that bothered me? What are my grievances? What's frustrating? What am I annoyed by? What's upsetting me? And then what are my roses? What are the things, what are my joys? What are my awes? What are my wonders? What are my wins? What am I looking forward to? What are the roses from the day? What were those moments where uh, somebody did something to put a smile on my face or an unexpected pleasant surprise? So, we have to make space for these things. And remember, before TV, right, like we had space for that. We were we were constantly in tune with ourselves, or you know, we were consistently, especially more than uh, than now. But remember, everything is fighting for our attention—from our kids to our families to our work to these uh, to our devices. Right? Um, you know, every—it's all a blessing and a curse. So. We're still learning how to integrate it into our lives instead of demonizing everything, right? Um, the next question is, I also feel like I'm not getting enough sleep no matter what I do. Once again, that goes back to getting a sleep test. Without the sleep test, you don't, you're not kind of just shooting in the dark here. Get the test done um, and then see what happens. Also, it could be dehydration. You know, if we're not hydrated enough, it could really, it really impacts our sleep and our ability to recover. So make sure you're hydrating and make sure you're not hydrating with, you know, sugary, salty beverages that, you know, you're drinking water and you may have to add electrolytes to that. Next question is, what would reading a book before bed help with sleep? Now, this is a great question because I've talked about reading, before bed, and one of the things that we can do, reading does, helps with two things before bed. One is if we're struggling with loneliness, reading, you know, if, if we're, you know, some of us have, we've lost someone close to us, or we might even be in a relationship, but we feel lonely in that relationship. Reading is a way for us to connect with other characters, put ourselves in another story, and, and, and you know, hopefully you're reading about someone who is writing in a way that makes you feel seen, heard, and understood. So reading a book before bed, the key here is read um, a a, a novel versus a self-help book. If you read a self-help book, the self-help book is telling you things you need to do. For one, it's telling you things that are wrong with you. Right? Let's be honest. At first, it has to point out all of the the pain and the and the pressures and the traumas and then two it is then telling you what to do what action steps to take right but you're going to bed you don't want to be thinking about one your pain and your trauma and then two the next thing you got to do right uh, we're trying to we're, we're trying to like we're, we're saying we want to signal to our body that we've done enough for the day and we're trying we want to land this plane right? We're not trying to rev it up or motivate ourselves. So a self-help book is great in the morning, but at night we want to read literature, something that's relaxing. Like you don't want to read Tale of Two Cities before bed. Uh, if you haven't read that, a, a bunch of people um, <laughs> are murdered and uh, it's just, it's a very uh, violent book. That's more of a, a afternoon read, right? Um, but something that's a bit soothing, you know, they're like, uh Frederick Bachman has a, a number of books and um uh, it's, it's not Danler but but there are a few, there's a number of artists that write books that are for adults that are great uh, around the bedtime but you know so just listen to yourself and and be aware but read literature before bed and read self-help in the morning right um Someone, another next question is, what kind of mattress, hard mattress or soft mattress? Ooh, okay, hard mattress. If we were in nature, we wouldn't be sleeping on a soft mattress. There are no soft mattresses out there. We'd be sleeping on the grass, the earth, and yes, grass and earth and, and sand, those things give, but I don't think we would call any of those soft they are, uh, but they give, there's some give to it, they're firm, and so you want a mattress that would mimic us laying on such a surface. Because if, it, if it's too soft, here's a problem with soft. It throws our spine out of alignment, and then that can cause hip, knee, back, neck pain, which then can cause us to wake up in the middle of the night. So even um, looking at your pillow, If you have one of those pillows that has your head up too high that can be causing you pain Um, if you go on amazon just type in neck pillow neck pillows are they have a concave form so that your neck rests in the pillow instead of your head resting in a pillow so look up neck pillow and get yourself a hard mattress Uh, next question is there any benefit to sleeping naked yes absolutely i sleep naked I've been sleeping naked for a few years now, and the benefit is that it regulates our body temperature. Our body temperature tends to heat up. We sweat in our sleep, and sleeping naked allows our bodies to dissipate that sweat instead of our clothes holding onto it. If you're sleeping, especially in cotton, the cotton is going to absorb the sweat, and then if you have the A.C. blowing, now you have cold air blowing onto your wet clothes, and then that's how we wake up sick. So sleep naked on your back, not your side, to keep your spine aligned, okay? Um, next question, my spouse snores like thunder. What's your take on sleeping with noise-canceling headphones? Uh, I, yes, it can work. Airplugs might be better. The challenge with noise-canceling headphones is if you're a person who sleeps on their side It's not going to be comfortable to have noise canceling headphones in. One and two, you have you're exposing yourself to those. uh, What is it? Rays beams, uh, the the Wi-Fi signals, you know, shooting from one side to the other. So yes, uh, noise canceling headphones is a nice temporary uh, way to address it. But you know, if you can use earplugs. Or you might have to sleep in separate rooms. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, uh, if your spouse is not willing to get a sleep test and do something to address the snoring, because there are you know uh, devices and things you know going back to the CPAP or other devices, uh, you have to talk to your your doctor and dentist to find out what can be done about the snoring, right? Because it's not just always about weight. People think snoring is about weight. But it also uh, has to do with if our tongue is bigger than our jaw, which you know that's a whole other conversation right there. We're not going to get too deep into it, but but just know that it's not just weight related. It could be what they're eating in, or inflammation in the body that's attributing to it. But there's just a number of factors that can um, be causing one to snore. It could be a deviated septum. So I definitely have compassion for anybody out there who's snoring. Um, it, it sometimes it's just something that's uh, not within your control, right? Um, but, but get the test just to find out for sure what's happening. Talk to your doctor. Uh, next question is, oh, what temperature should the bedroom be for sleeping? Anywhere between 67 and 69. Remember, we want that bedroom to be like a cave. So we want it cold, we want it quiet, and we want it dark. Dark, so get blackout curtains if you can. No light, not even a night light, not a light from your cell phone, because our skin can, is our biggest organ, and it can pick up any type of light. So you want it completely blacked out. No light, you want it cold. Um, get up under the covers. And, you know, if you're like, oh, that sounds too cold, you know, you can turn into that temp right as you're getting into bed, and then, uh, and then, you know, you can get up under some thick covers, but naked on your back in a cold bedroom. I tell you, I sleep like a champ, right? Um, and then, last question: What steps can be taken if you can't shut off your brain? Sometimes the day stress comes back to haunt my brain. Well, that's a great question. Because I, I completely get this, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Once again, it goes back to journaling. Make sure you sit down and dump um, your thoughts from the day into your journal. Two, have a friend. Have, are you really allowing yourself to decompress after work? And, and what I mean is typically people will go from work, um, and then they'll come home, have a few drinks, watch a movie, eat, and then get into bed. And at no time do they really allow themselves to do nothing. Even that drive home from work, if you have a thirty-minute or one-hour commute, that you know you can think that that's a, a you know time to yourself and relaxing. But you're driving; you're still engaged. And so, if it's hard for you to shut your brain off, one either journal, two find an immersive experience and exercise for you. You know, dig a ditch. Go to an escape room. Mix it up. Uh, Sometimes our brains can get caught in a loop because our lives are in a loop because we're doing the same things over and over every single day. So we crave novelty. We need something a little different. Try doing a little something different every day, something that um, encourages you to be a bit present. If you go to the same bar every day, or the same coffee shop, or the same place for lunch, go someplace different. Um, If you're eating with the same people, eat with different people. Expand your life. The more we expand our life, and it doesn't mean that we have to expand it immensely in a quick amount of time, but a slow expansion, doing something a little novel every day. Instead of, uh, you know, going to lunch, we can bring our lunch. Instead of uh, uh, bringing our lunch, we can eat on lunch, you know, at a, at a museum, like explore your surroundings, your territory, find that piece of novelty in your day so that we can disrupt those ruminating patterns that happen in our brain. And I'll give you the last tip. And this is something that I do at night. So I will, I will stretch, I will read, um, you know, anywhere for about an hour, and then I'll stretch a little bit um, and then shower. And then when I get into bed, I will recall about 10 to 20 things from the day. Uh, I, I mix it up from day to day. So there's this game called Connections on um, on the New York Times list where you have to, they, they give you a list of for 16 words, and then you have to see which, you have to, up four of the words into a group, you have to figure out which four words are in one group and then the next four words in another group and, and so on and so forth. And so when I go to bed at night, I try to remember all 16 words. I try to remember the groups and the words. And so th- the advice I'm giving to you, instead of ruminating about your day, work on recalling a part of your day. If you watch a if you watch a movie before bed or a TV show before bed, go to bed and try to recall twenty different scenes from what you've watched, and that helps to disrupt the pattern. So instead of ruminating, recall or recollect or remember. You know, uh, you could do the thing where you remember. Let me, uh, you know, let me name thirty states. So those are things that engage the brain, the prefrontal cortex, without overstimulating the brain, right? So we we tend to think of, uh, we tend to go through life either numbing our brain or overstimulating our brain, but there are things that where we can just engage it without numbing it and without overstimulating it and recalling something, remembering something, uh, recollecting an event Those are things that engage the brain without overstimulating the brain. I hope this has been valuable to you. And if you found any benefit from what was shared, ask a seven-second favor. Share with one other person, just one other person, that you think is struggling with sleep or falling asleep or staying asleep or snoring or having a partner uh, who struggles with sleep share it with that one individual and then you two can have a conversation about it because it's really when we share things that we feel a sense of community and belonging. So take seven seconds, share it with one other person. Thank you for liking and commenting and listening and tuning in. Remember this podcast is not a substitute for you calling to get help, calling the 988 or any of the other 800 numbers. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.